0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, at least there's good news and bad news when we look at uh, going well into double digits. Weather-wise, that's uh, something that heartens me. And when it comes to the federal deficit, not so much. Uh, all right, so the budget has been tabled, as I'm told. Uh, there was some, I guess, uh, confusion, miscommunication as to whether or not it would be delayed at least for an hour or so because of conservatives' uh They wanted to make a point of uh, just putting a spanner in the works and draw attention to the fact they were dismayed, as many were, because uh, the Liberal Justice Committee, dominated Justice Committee, shut things down on the SNC-Lavalin scandal, and uh, they've decided that uh, nothing more to see here, let's move on. So let's get to the salient points of the budget, as I understand it, at first blush, and it's just been tabled. Just released for public consumption. I guess everybody's out of lockup. Uh, the Liberals going to spend billions of dollars on everything from pharmacare to helping workers learn new skills and uh, easing the burden on first-time homebuyers. This is the final budget before voters go to the polls in October. And joining me on the line uh, to just help digest what some of this means long-term. Mitzi Hunter is the finance critic for the Ontario Liberal Party. Mitzi, good to have you back on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon.
1: Great to be here, John.
0: Have you had a chance to uh, look at some of the highlights from this budget just released? Uh, Well,
1: I actually have been waiting for it to be tabled uh, with the cliffhanging uh, conversation around whether it was going to be delayed or not. I'm happy to see that it was tabled. And, you know, we have far more critical conversations that we need to have around our Canadian economy, uh, people are looking to invest in this country, and they need these signals that the budget contains so that they know that we have a, a growing, thriving economy here in Canada from, from which to invest. Seniors are waiting to hear what supports they're going to receive from this budget. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to see that, uh, that it went forward as planned and that, that it does contain uh, areas that, that Canada needs to focus on, like skills training and innovation. And, um, and of course, uh, caring for people when it comes to seniors, when it comes to the health of Canadians, when it comes to things like pharmacare. care.
0: All right. Uh, well, let's just talk about the, de- the deficit. Uh, that is going to be projected, I guess, uh, at $19.8 billion. Is that justifiable? I know the economy has softened somewhat, but this is a government that promised a balanced budget for this year, this fiscal year.
1: Well, I mean, I think that uh, the the government has been very clear that the deficit um, is meant to invest in things that Canadians care about, um, you know, there's been a lot of investment to lift uh, children and families out of poverty uh, with the child tax benefits, and 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 really areas that uh, that speak to the quality of life uh, for for Canadians. Um, the the record of this government when it comes to things like you know job creation and making sure that people have have work so that they can feed their families is really important. We have a 40-year low when it comes Comes to um, unemployment in this uh, in this country. So
0: uh, let me just ask you about that because I'm curious. Yes, the numbers uh, seem good on the surface, but how about wages? Have they grown commensurate to that? Uh, jobs, yeah, have increased. I don't know what kinds of jobs. They say private sector, but how about wages? Are wages not stagnating?
1: Well, you know, I think that uh, there's a, a factor when it comes to wages. It's a combination of uh, private sector uh, wages. It's also the skills gap as well. Uh, so, so wages is not, you know, even across the economy. It really depends on those in-demand sectors, those in-demand jobs where wages tends to be higher. And then you have, um, you know, other other areas in the economy that are perhaps are not. Um, uh, needing the same labour labor demand. You know, when it comes to, to wages here in Ontario, uh, one of the things that, uh, that the former Liberal provincial government did uh, was raise the minimum wage. And I know other provinces uh, like Alberta have done that as well because we know that, um, you know, we have to spread... Uh, whatever wealth we have across the economy and give people more spending power so that they can then put that back into into the economy.
0: One of the arguments was though, if it went up to $15 per hour, uh, it was too aggressive and would maybe forestall any growth in employment, especially at entry level jobs. As a matter of fact, a lot of small business people and manufacturers complained to me incessantly about that. They seem to have gotten the ear of the premier as well. So Doug Ford backed off. He froze it at 14 rather than take it to 15. And as a consequence, when you cited 55,000 jobs being created in the stats that came out in February, 37,000 of those were in Ontario. Would you say maybe Ontario uh, is is a leader in that regard uh, because of the policies towards uh, drawing a balance for small business operators and manufacturers and the like and not being too aggressive with a $15 minimum wage?
1: I think it actually, John, really, it says the complete opposite. You know, those that were sort of saying that jobs are going to be lost in Ontario if we raise the minimum wage, that has not borne out. Uh, The economy continues to churn out jobs, and the majority of those jobs were were full-time jobs. Uh, They were in sectors, actually, such as science and technology and and innovation. And I would say that the Ford government is not investing in the areas where jobs are growing uh, because they're cutting back on post secondary they're they're taking actually money out of the system that invests in the skills and the talents of our people and and they're doing just the opposite
0: again with mitzi hunter is uh, the finance critic for the ontario liberal party just looking at some of the key highlights from the budget table moments ago and uh give you a for instance 1.7 billion dollars over five years and 586 million a year after that for a Canada training benefit to help workers upgrade skills and acquire new ones while keeping their jobs. And the benefit includes a a $250-a-year tax credit to pay for training programs and access to employment insurance to cover living expenses for up to four weeks away from work. Do you like that?
1: I really do, John. I think when we invest in, in people, that's the best investment we can make as Canadians because it's people, actually, that are going to keep our economy going. It's people that are going to be the entrepreneurs and the innovators and those small business owners. So any investment that we can make in the skills and talents of people, is what exactly what we should be doing because that's about the future. It's about actually making those investments now that will have a return later on for Canadians.
0: How do we square $3.9 billion for farmers in supply-managed industries affected by new trade agreements with the United States and Asian countries? I mean, uh, this is where a lot of Canadians actually thought uh, if we got rid of the supply-managed system of things, uh, prices would come down and uh, the consumer would benefit. So they're going to actually support these people in supply-managed, or is that just a sop to uh, dairy farmers in Quebec because we've got an election year upcoming?
1: No, I actually think those concerns are are real. Um, when we have new trade agreements, it the responsible thing is to make sure that our economy can bridge and adjust to those agreements and uh, you know we our farming industry here even in Ontario employs an awful lot of people, not to mention the important role of feeding uh our families and uh and the supply management system simply does just creates a more stable uh, condition so that they can produce, and they have some predictability in their production numbers and in in their investments that they're making. Um, and you know, when when you look at it on a global scale, you want to make sure that uh, Canadian agriculture continues to to be competitive, but also continues to. To survive and uh, and and thrive here here in Canada, so I, I do think it's um it's in direct response to the trade agreements that are in place, whether it's with the U.S. and Mexico agreement or uh, the uh, Trans-Pacific agreement and all the agreements that have been uh, led by the uh, federal Liberals uh, in the last uh, last year that making sure that our industries uh, continue to grow in in Canada.
0: All right, and then we've also got uh, something for students. You know, a lot of millennials. Because uh, the Liberals federally anyway have been leaking uh, in that demographic as far as the aggregate polls, uh, Ipsos I guess Abacus and uh, Angus came out with numbers that said uh, this is one of the areas that has softened up appreciably after 2015 where it kind of carried the Liberals over the top. Uh, They're going to lower the interest rate on Canada student loans to the prime rate from the current prime plus 2.5 percentage points. Good idea?
1: see the contrast with what's going on here in Ontario? this uh, you know this is important the relief for students is really important in lowering uh, students uh, student debt and, and the burden on students you know that's really speaking to support that helps uh, people who are aspiring to the middle class you you take all this time out you, you go and get your post-secondary education at a college or university and you don't want to come out with the debt that you're, you're saddled with uh, you know you want to lower that debt burden as much as possible for students students that's exactly what the federal government is doing I'm very disappointed that here in our province we're doing the exact opposite we're actually accelerating the interest payment uh, for students from what they had in the past and and that's just the wrong direction we should be supporting and investing in our young people because that's what we need to make sure that they're prepared um, to fuel our economy uh, going forward
0: With all due respect, Mitzi, I mean, this government has been saddled with uh, a debt of $340 billion, $15 billion annual deficit, which means that the service on this debt uh, is about the third, fourth, largest line item. That was on your watch, and now they've got to reconcile this, and there's going to be some pain felt right across the board. I mean, to sit there and indict this government for cutting back when it seems there's no other recourse, that falls on your government.
1: Well, you know, I maintain, John, that the $15 billion deficit, which the FAO has already come out to say it's actually a much lower number than that.
0: Okay, it's 12. So what?
1: Well, I mean, it does, you know, it definitely matters, Um, you know. They it's are, untenable, it's systemic creating now. creating that deficit because they're also lowering uh, revenues at the same time and continuing to do that for the wealthiest while they're pulling out programs and support for, you know, education. Just received a, a $250 million each year cut just with what the, the Minister of Education announced in terms of raising class sizes.
0: Yeah, but you guys it, introduced structural deficits. How do we get out from that bind?
1: You know, I I, I think that I would disagree with that in terms of the the structure in Ontario. Our economy in Ontario continues to grow, continues to expand because of the investments we made in things like infrastructure, skills and talents of our people. You know, I'm concerned that the provincial government is not investing in infrastructure. If we're concerned that there's going to be a slowing of Canada's economy and that's going to affect us here in Ontario, what are we doing to make sure that we are keeping up with those requirements for, for infrastructure that create? immediate and direct and good jobs.
0: Well, a lot of foreign investment has disappeared as well. Manufacturing jobs have been decimated. I mean, we could continue to quibble. I've only got a few more moments, so uh, let me ask you about some other things here. Uh, the idea that making housing more affordable, especially for first-time buyers, letting them borrow 35000 from their RRSPs, up from 25000 and having the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation contribute a small share of equity for down payments. Is that going to get people uh, off the fence and into the housing market? You think?
1: I think this is about young people. It's about making sure that um, the housing market is open for them to get into the market. And I think it's a it's a great idea in terms of raising um, the the cap on um, RSP for homebuyers. And uh, and certainly the Canada Mortgage and Housing has. A role to play. We housing affordability is one of the the biggest uh, issues in, in a number of different um, uh, places in in Canada. Obviously, here in Ontario, it's a it's a real top issue, and uh, it's it, uh, this is no surprise that something had to be done and uh, and done fast. So I think this is a good direction.
0: And finally, uh, 300 million over three years for rebates of up to five thousand dollars on electric or hydrogen fuel cell vehicles with a maximum purchase price of 45 thousand uh i guess they've abandoned that notion when your government decided fourteen thousand would be the top up for people buying expensive uh e-vehicles or hydrogen fuel cell vehicles uh that was would you consider now in hindsight a uh, pure folly
1: you know i think the part of what we have to do when we talk about innovation and investment is you got to, you know, take that saying, skate where the puck's going. And, you know, when you look at global manufacturers of, uh, of auto, it is about uh, carbon neutrality. It's about finding green, greener and cleaner ways um, to, to move people. You know, I got to remind you that, when Doug Ford took over in Ontario he decimated our 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 climate uh, action plan that we had with the uh cap and trade program that was investing in new technologies uh you know ripped up the electric vehicle uh program that we had that was also signaling to manufacturers and others that Ontario was open for innovation and uh and and really investing in new technologies so you know, where we're falling behind in some of our, our programming and our planning, the federal the federal liberals are uh, advancing. And I think that it's important that Canada keeps up with where the world is going when it comes to this type of, uh, of, of manufacturing for the future.
0: All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, there, you know, the Green Energy Act has been cited as a job killer as well as putting people into energy poverty. But it was nice to have uh, your time this afternoon and at least... Uh, run through some some of the highlights from this budget just tabled. I was just giving it a quick synopsis, and so uh, thanks for fielding those balls and uh, quoting Wayne Gretzky in the meantime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, John, for for having me on again.
0: There's Mitzi Hunter, finance critic for the Ontario Liberal Party. All right, on this matter, uh, let's see if we can digest some of these points here and uh, get you involved. The budget has been tabled, what it means for folks who have a vested interest. These investments for young people, millennials... You know, as I cited, the uh, interest rate on Canada's student loans will be cut down to the prime rate and uh, making housing more affordable. And you can borrow 35k from your RRSPs. Is that going to improve the lot of millennials primarily? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.